0: You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Hey, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 today. The verses will be on the screen here in just a few moments. But we're bringing this series, One Another, to a close today. We start a new series next week. Um, I highly recommend you keep coming and check out the next series. We talk about the the big ones, the the forgiveness and pride, uh, and all those things that are really hard for us to deal with and overcome, but also where we find a lot of freedom. Um, But as we bring this series to a close, we're looking at this last One Another verse, or verse is, um, this last command given to us is the church. And this whole series has been, what's the type of community we want to build here at Hill City? We want to be a community built on love. Not just love for, for who's in our community, but love for the community around us. Uh, we, we talked, the week that Noah taught, we talked about burdens and the importance of, of being mature and growing in your relationship with Jesus. So you have the ability, one, to carry your burdens, but also to carry the burdens of those around. Around you. And then last week, we talked about this idea of humility and imitating Christ as Christ showed humility as he came to earth. Now, this one we're talking about today, as the verses here on the screen, but this one today, this is repeated 23 times throughout the recorded word of God. Um, So, if it's repeated 23 times, I would argue probably rather important um, for us as Christians to live out, for us as the the community called the church to live out. And, And this is the verses for us today Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging one another. Spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. I think it's important to get a little bit of a background on, on what Paul's writing here. Paul's, Paul's writing to essentially Jewish Christians, the, the Hebrews, the, that have come to faith in Christ. Right? And he's, he's, What he does throughout the entire book is he's, he's kind of taking the old covenant, the old law, and he's showing how Christ has fulfilled and moved that forward. Um, that he's come to uh, conclusions on a lot of those things, um, and he's now presenting a new way. And this new way is in grace, right? in this relationship with Jesus. Uh, throughout the entire book, it's, it's really boiled down to two different things we see over and over again. The first one is that Christians endure. Right? You're going to face trials in this life. There's going to be seasons that are going to be hard. Um, not only are there going to be seasons that are going to be hard because you're human and that's what happens to humans, but there's also going to be seasons that are hard because you're a Christian and you have to endure and be, and be persecuted for the faith. Right? Maybe not persecuted in the United States, as he could be in other parts of the world, but like, there's still that peace that the enemy is on, on his prowl. Like, he's here to kill, steal, and destroy you. That's what he loves to do, and he's really good at it. Um, and when sometimes we come into contact with that, and we have to learn how to endure, to keep the faith in the midst of it. And the other part of this is um, not to abandon our faith in Christ when these times show up. Um, and oftentimes you think of these things, you're like, of course I wouldn't abandon my faith. That's crazy talk. The reality is if we're really pressed, I, I think some of us may be shocked at how quickly our faith goes out the window. I think I think a lot of us if, if our life was really pushed hard enough that you would realize mm, maybe maybe my God isn't big enough. Maybe my God won't provide. Right? I'm in a season right now and, and God is teaching me this, this whole process. Like I looked at my faith and said, Man, my faith is strong. I love Jesus. He loves me. I'm secure and I'm safe and I don't have to worry about anything. And then life gets a little bit more difficult, and pressure starts starts to mount. And you're like, hmm, maybe Jesus, maybe He doesn't want to provide, maybe He doesn't want to guide, maybe He doesn't want to help me take those next steps. Uh, well, maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus is just a distant God, and He doesn't actually actively involve in our lives. And how quickly we start to spiral into things that aren't true, because the enemy's feeding us these lies. And that's what the enemy's good at. And that's what the Hebrew writer is trying to get across to to these Hebrew Christians: is hey. Like, I know life is hard. I know you're in the midst of it. And for them, they're in the midst of great persecution. Right? Rome, is, Rome is pushing pretty hard on them at this time. And here in this moment, like I know it's difficult to follow Jesus, but keep the faith, stay strong. And this is where the encouraging one another verses start to come into play. Because we need community to be able to do this well. We're not designed to do it by ourselves. We can try. We can try for a while. We can even try for a while with God and, and ourselves, and we're just this tag team trying to take on life. But the reality is that's not how God designed it. God wants us to be supporting and encouraging one another, spurring one another towards love and good deeds. You need the community around you. And that's what we're really going to dive into today is this need for community. But Let's go back just a few verses before um, our key verses here just to get a little background on what's going on. Really, where do we find this ability to endure? Where do we find this ability uh, to keep the faith. Where do you find this ability to spur one another on, even when it's hard? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9, a few ver- or, sorry, 19, a few verses before. It's probably going to say verse 9. And let- oh, I'm better. I caught it on the, on the slides, but not on my notes. Good job, Jesus. Or good job, Josh and Jesus. We'll give you the credit. <laughs> but Hebrews 10, sorry, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that brings faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the, guilt, the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure Water, and then we get back to our key verses. There, anyone else is like <laughs> right over my head, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of biblical history at play here, um, and he, he's painting a picture, and he does this all throughout. If if you want to understand why Jesus had to come, uh, and the role that Jesus now plays today in response to the old covenant, the old law, um, Hebrews is a great book to figure that out. But let me kind of break this down a little bit just so we're all on the same page and we understand what's actually being said here. Uh, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. The most holy place is a, is a physical place. Um, now, it's, now it's been expanded because of Jesus' death on the cross, but in Old Covenant, it was a physical place. It was the tabernacle for a long time and eventually became different temples throughout uh, uh, Jewish history. Um, but the tabernacle was kind of built, and I'll just try to paint a picture for you best I can in your head. Um, so picture a big old tent. This tent is a long rectangle. In the front part of this tent uh, is what we call the holy place. There's a couple of altars here, and there's certain things that happen, certain sac- sacrifices and, and uh, acts of worship happen in this place. And then there's a massive curtain. This massive curtain is rather thick. Um, it's supposed to be pretty, pretty red, made of uh, you know, fine fabrics. I was going to say linens, but that's not the right word. Um, and this separated what we call the most holy place. Now, it's hard for Christians oftentimes to understand, but this is the only place God's presence dwelt. Didn't dwell across the nations. Didn't dwell where you and I could communicate with God. It dwelt in this place. And it is the most holy of places. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. Um, scripture tells us that during the night there was a beacon of fire. Um, during the day there was a, a, of, uh, a pillar of smoke. Letting us know that God's presence is now in the Holy of Holies. Uh, the Holy of Holies or the most holy place. <clears throat> this place was so important and so holy that only the high priest, top top guy, big big kahuna, was allowed to enter the holy place once a year. And he would go through all the rituals he would need to go through for the forgiveness of not just himself, but for the forgiveness of all the people so he could enter into the presence of God. Something I think oftentimes we take for granted today. That we, we, if we lived during this time, we wouldn't have the access or the opportunity to stand in the presence of God. That was way outside of our abilities. But this is where the, the, the high priest went, and once a year would spend time with God and bring a word back to his people, um, and it would rotate over and over and over every other year. This holy place, this place where the presence of God dwelt, we look here, by the blood of Jesus, this is the place that the curtain was torn. Right? It tells us in the Gospels that when Jesus takes his last breath, the curtain is torn. This is the curtain that it's talking about, the curtain in the temple. And here's what it's representing. One, it's physically happening, but two, it's the representation of we now have access to the Most High. That's what Jesus' blood does for us. He's the one that was the perfect sacrifice, and because it was the perfect sacrifice, we don't need any other sacrifices, and now we get to approach God. Just like the high priest, we can enter enter into his presence. Not because of anything we've done, not because of any ritual we've performed, but because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And this is, what, this is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get across. That you have confidence, you have the ability to enter into the holy place. Now, you have to remember, the Ark of the Covenant here. Um, when they're moving the Ark of the Covenant across, uh, I think it was the Jordan at the time, I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, and they slipped and they fell, and someone accidentally touched it. What happened to that person? He died. <laughs> what happened to the person behind him? He died too. Like, that's how, that, that's how separated we were from God. Because of our sin, like, the presence of God would kill us instantly. But what Jesus did on the cross, his blood being shed, gives us access to it so we can enter those places, enter this, this presence with confidence. This is the, the beauty of what God has given us. In verse 20, and by this new way of living, opened, up, opened f- for us through the curtain, that is his body. Remember that curtain was, was, was torn. Uh, Luke 23 says, for the sun stopped shining, this is at Jesus' death, and the curtain, tem- the curtain of the temple was torn. And two, we were given access to the presence of God. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, that great high priest is Jesus. Now, high priests would have to perform sacrifices for themselves because they were still sinners, they were still human beings. And they have to perform sacrifices for humanity, for the people of, of, of God, the Jews, so they could enter into the Holy of, place, the holy of Holies, or this most holy place. Things that we don't have to do today because Jesus is our perfect high priest. Meaning we never need another high priest again. Scripture tells us that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God, mediating on our behalf. Meaning he's our connection piece to God the Father. And this is why we can enter into the most holy place with confidence. We can enter in the presence of God. Like this is the access that we have. And I think oftentimes we forget the type of relationship God wants with us. All-powerful, almighty God wants to commune and have conversation with us. Let that sink in for a second. If that doesn't feel like a big deal, I don't think you realize what it is. This is the dude that spoke the world into existence, not with his hands, but with his mouth. This is the dude that stopped uh, the sun from moving so the Israelites could conquer their enemies. This is the God that brought Lazarus from the dead Three days later, all-powerful, almighty God, we get to commune and have conversations with. If we're going to endure through the hard times of life, if we're going to endure the difficulties as as they show up, if we're going to endure when the enemy's on attack, this is is the first source that we go to. It's our relationship with God. It's our ability to communicate back and forth with the almighty. But then the Hebrew writer continues in verse twenty-two. Let us draw near. And this are key verses again. But let us draw near to God with sincere hearts, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from the guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed pure as white, pure as water. In verse twenty-four, and let us consider how we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, that some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is Jesus' return um, to conquer everything final and done. But we have full assurance because of the faith we have in Christ to enter into relationship with God and commune with him. That's the source of everything for us. But oftentimes when we're in that relationship with God and life starts to get hard, that relationship with God starts to wane. This is where community becomes really important. You need people around you that are going to support you and encourage you in the midst of those things. They're going to speak words over you and spur you on to love and good deeds, to remind you of the faith that you originally believed. Right? This, this, is, this is the importance of community. This is why God designed us to support each other. He knew how hard life was going to get. He knew that your faith would start to, to, to be tested and you knew your faith may, may start to wander. And you need that community around you to remind you of the truth that he has for you. So I think there's two points out of all this that we can kind of wrap our heads around. The first one's this, if you're taking notes. If he called you to it, he's going to see you through it. If he called you to it, He's going to see you through it. I think all too often God gives us dreams that we start to chase and those dreams start to get really difficult and hard. One, because the enemy doesn't want to see you complete the dreams that God has given you. He's going to fight at any step of the way that he possibly can. He's going to feed you full of lies. He's going to bring others around you that are going to tell you things that aren't true. And you're going you're going to start to wonder. If God called me to this, where is he in the midst of this? This is where you need that community around you to remind you, hey, God's timing is not our timing. God doesn't work in the ways that that, that we work. Scripture tells us that his thoughts are greater than your thoughts and his ways are greater than your ways. That he doesn't work on our timeline. He doesn't work in our way of doing things. But if he called you to it, he's going to push you through it. He's going to walk with you in the midst of it. Hold the faith. Keep strong. Keep strong. And when you see your brothers and sisters around you that are starting to waver, come around them. Love them well. Remind them of the truth. That brings us to our second point. We need community to re- you need community to re- remind you of your unity. I'm a poet today. You need your community to remind you of your unity. And this is the unity with Christ. It's the unity with the church. It's the unity that we all come around because of who Christ is. This is the unity that we get to have in relationship with God. This is the unity we get to have with relationship to our community. But we need everyone to, to play their part in the midst of our community. Right? We can't go wandering off. We can't choose to, to stop engaging the community um, like some have, have, have done, right? That's what the Hebrews writers is, is, is saying. The beautiful thing is the same problems they had in the early church are the same problems we deal with today. It's the human condition and we can figure it out. Right, the, the first thing when life gets hard for a lot of people, they do is, is they walk away from their community, because that's just another thing to have to figure out. That's just another thing to have to involve yourself with. But that's but in the heart in the in the midst of hard times, that's the thing you need the most. You need your community around you to speak truth into you. You need your community around you to be praying for you. You need your community around you to remind you of the things that God has said true about you. And not run from the problems. Or to pull away from the community because we watch, these, we watch people do this on a regular basis, right? That people are part of our community they've chosen to walk away from the community and their life starts to suffer more and more and more. And you're like, but your community's here. This is where we're supposed to be. And I say that as a warning to those still sitting in the room. There's a temptation for us that when life gets hard to be like, mm, I'm just going to shut down. I'm not going to do anything. But it's in those moments that you need community the most. See, community is a place where you are known and that you know others. Not just I know your name, not just I know basic facts about you, like where you work and what you do for fun, but I know you, how you think and how you operate. So I can see when when something's going wrong in your life and something doesn't seem right, I can say something out of care. And if I'm known by my community, the same thing can be said from me. This last week, I had numerous people ask me, hey, Josh, are you okay? And in some ways, I was okay. In some ways, I wasn't. (laughs) But I need that community to notice those things different about me so they can ask those things of me and and push in and, and figure out what's really going on. We need that community around us because it becomes really difficult to spur one another on if you aren't around your community. It becomes really difficult to encourage one another when your community doesn't know who you are. Though you may be here, if we don't know you, it makes it difficult for us to to spur you on and encourage you for for love and good deeds. And finally, it becomes really difficult to grow as a disciple of Jesus and to endure difficult seasons without a community to speak into your life. We all need it, we all need growth. Right? It's growing as a disciple of Jesus that gives us the ability to endure harder things of life. And if you want to do great things for God, hard things come right before the great. That's how it works. The enemy knows what's going on. He's going to fight. And you need that community to come around you and support you in the midst of those things. We need to encourage one another. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. This is the type of community we want to create here at Hill City that when someone starts to wander, we chase the wanderer, because they matter. And we know how important community is for them. But while we're in the midst of community, we, we choose to speak love, we choose to encourage, we choose to push people towards love and good deeds. I'm not talking about good deeds in the sense of morality. I'm not trying to make a good bunch of good people. I'm talking about good deeds in the sake, sake of the gospel, pushing the kingdom forward, making a difference in your spheres of influence. That's what we want to encourage us to do. That's where we're going to see growth. Not just growth in ourselves, but growth numerically as others see what's going on and want to be a part of it. But we want to one another, one another the best. There should be no better relationship than us, Christians. So we're going to love one another well. We're going to carry one another's burdens. We're going to encourage one another. And we're going to choose humility to show one another because it's in the midst of those places that our community becomes attractive. But it's also in the midst of those places where we actually find growth, where we grow as disciples of Jesus for the sake of others to do the same. Can I pray for us? Father God, God, I thank you that, God, I do thank you that you call us to do hard things. God, and in the midst of those hard things, I thank you that we have community that surrounds us and encourages us Encourages us and supports us. God, I thank you that you've given us an example and a design on how we are to live in in community as the church. And God, let us all do our part. Let us all step up to the plate. And let us all realize that this type of community doesn't exist unless I do my part. And I choose to love and humility. I choose to encourage and to chase. God, I don't know what you have in store for Hill City, for this community. I don't know exactly what's next for us. But God, I do know you're guiding our way, and you are doing a work in all of our hearts. God, I do know you're preparing us for something. Um, and God, when that thing presents itself, you're going to have us ready for it. And for that, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are a provider. God, I thank you that, that you are a priest. God, I thank you that you are a friend that we can approach you with confidence because of what Jesus did on the cross. God, we love you. Be in this place. your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church.